Thank you, Lord. So, Brian, if you put up that John 6 up there on the screen. We've been going through all the miracles or the eight miracles or eight signs in the Gospel of John and just trying to really learn, you know, what the Lord wants to give us through those miracles. And um, I, I believe the Lord wants to release the miraculous into our nation. I believe that that's really obvious. That's something that God wants to do right now. And, um, you know, with all the difficulties that seem to be coming our way as a nation, you know, with hurricanes and all this dilemma now, you know, they're worried about flu, new strains of flu. And, you know, we're just living in an hour where we were going to really need to see the power of God come forth. Amen? And instead of being drugged down by everything, God wants us to be able to live supernaturally, live above everything. And I think I personally believe that there's in the in the Word of God there's things that are released to us. Um, you know, like the other night we were teaching on healing in the Christ School of Ministry, and I, I felt the Lord was releasing the healing anointing just through simple words about healing. So I, I and I believe you know God releases these things, and and really we can receive them or not receive them. That's really the truth. And you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says the kingdom of God, you know, is at hand, meaning we need to reach out and receive the things that God releases to us. And it takes a, a faith to, re, to reach out for something and grab hold of it. And many times, and well, all the time, it is invisible because the kingdom is invisible at this moment. Uh, things of God are invisible. The way you, they become visible is they become visible in your life and through your life. So I believe that one of the reasons I feel to have gone through these these what the Bible calls them signs, they're miracles, and signs are miracles that point to something is because God really wants to release an anointing for miracles to us. He really does. And uh, so that's why I've been doing it. And this is like the fourth sign. It's, it's, this sign is the feeding of the 5,000. And this is interesting about this miracle. This is the only miracle that's in all four Gospels. Only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. Now, I, that's sort of not something you'd really commonly think about. So you know this is something special here. You know there's a, a there's special messages in this miracle of feeding four thousand people. You know God was really trying to get. You know He said it four times. There's no other miracle recorded four times. There's some that are recorded three times, but but this. So I believe God really wants to speak to something to us about this miracle. He really wants to reveal something. So I'm going to read, and then I'm going to tell you a couple of things I feel the Lord's showing. It's in John 6, starting in verse 1, it says, After these things Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they, because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, What shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they amongst so many? And I'm going to stop right there. 
because the rest of it is actually about the miracle. Maybe, but I wanted to talk about this one thing that really has, has really speaks to me personally on this. It's about this, these two questions. First, Jesus asked a question, uh, and it says he asked a question: Where shall we buy the bread that these may eat? And, he, and it said he did that to test to test them. Okay, and then Andrew responded with a question. It's like you know, we've got this, but what is this? You know, we've got these the barley loaves and two small fish, but what is what is this amongst so many people? And what happened? You know, to me, honestly, is uh, I had a phone conversation with Brett Linker. <laughs> he was asking these questions. And he was asking, you know, some theological questions, actually. And at first I wanted to say, Brett, none of that really matters. Who cares about that? I mean, because, you know, nobody's worked some of these questions out. Like, you know, once saved, always saved. Questions like, you know, that. Nobody's really... But I felt the Lord saying to me, you know, Brett is getting to the real question if you would let him. If you would just let him, he is going to ask some questions that are serious. So it started triggering things in my mind. And we went on and had a few things to talk about. But it really made me see an attribute of God that we really don't think about that much. And that attribute is that God likes to ask questions. He really does. And I, I was looking at the Bible, and I'm not going to go through all these in detail, but I, I went right back to the Genesis right from the beginning. And the first like two-way conversation that God ever had with man, now He said other things to man. He declared things over man. But the first two-way conversations that God ever had with man were, were questions like, you know, when He said to Adam, where are you? You know, and who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? See, there were questions that God was asking Adam. Then he asked a woman, what is this you have done? I think some husbands have asked their wives. They came home and spent all their money. What is this you have done? (laughs) Trying to get you all to loosen up. (laughs) Then he went on, and uh, there was another guy named Cain, which was like the the son of Adam and Eve. And the Lord had a conversation with him. And what did he say? Why are you angry? Cain, and why is your countenance fallen, Cain? I mean, where's your, where's Abel, your brother? I mean, these are a series of questions. Then after he killed Abel, these, these questions were a reason. What have you done? Why did you kill your brother? Then later in the Bible, we, and we find these questions all over the Bible. One of the great questions is Elijah. Remember Elijah after he had done all these miraculous, miraculous things, wound up in this in this cave, and the Lord said, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? So you see, it is in God's nature to question. I mean, He's a questioning God. Okay? But I think what He... You know, and again, He's not asking questions to get information because He knows everything. He's really asking to help us see where we're at. If you'll uh, put up John one thirty-eight, uh, This is the beginning of the New Testament. This is the first conversation that Jesus has with two of His disciples. He says, Jesus turned and seeing them follow and said to them... Who do you see? First, first recorded conversation that Jesus has with, with any of his disciples is a question. Who do you see? And then they said to him, Rabbi, which to say, when translated teacher, where are you staying? They answered him with a question. Where are you staying? You know, we could build a great teaching on that. I'm sure there's been some great messages on that. Uh, but here's the thing. If you go through every one of those signs that Jesus performed in gospel, now there, was a, there were questions in every one of them. Every one of them, Jesus turned water into wine. Question, Mother, what do them running out of the wine have to do with me and you? 
That was the question. He healed a nobleman's son. The nobleman said, what time did he get well? He uh, raised this man up, the paralytic, from, the, you know, from being paralyzed for 38 years. Jesus asked him a question. Do you want to get well? He asked where Lazarus was laying. This, this one I just read to you. Questions. We're, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed them? You know, walking on the water. Why did you doubt? The miraculous catch of fish. Have you caught any fish? You see, God has this questioning thing in Him that is Him. And I believe that God has placed that same thing. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, in every one of us, there's something in us that needs to ask questions. Okay? There's something in us that's a desire in us to want to know something that we don't know. And God's placed that in us. It's from the Lord. Okay? It's from the Lord. Well, after Brett had this, after I had this conversation with Brett, the Lord brought this person to my mind out of the blue. I just started thinking about this person. And I wanted to use this person as an illustration. Um, and what was so cool about it, um, I was, well, I won't tell you that part. It doesn't matter. Um, it was cool, but... And this person was a man named George Washington Carver. Anybody ever heard of George Washington Carver? George Washington Carver was... Is a, he's a profound person. George Washington Carver was a slave. He was born a slave. He was a black man, born in the 1860s. Okay? And he, you know, grew up, and of course, he, slavery came to an end, so he grew up, and he, he became a scientist. Okay, and in 1921, George Washington Carver went and spoke before the United States Senate. And, and he was telling them all about his discoveries. This man created 325 products from the peanut. Developed 325 products from the peanut. Developed 100 products from the sweet potato. Anybody heard of crop rotation? He is the one who developed the concept of crop rotation. He developed it. Okay? And, you know, it says his products are used in cosmetics, medicine, you know, powder that women put on their face. Think George Washington Carver the next time you put your makeup on because he developed a product to help you look nice. <laughs> Maybe the husband should thank him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, cosmetics, paint, plastic, rubber, paper, and even gasolines. Additives to gasoline that make gasoline work better in a car. George Washington Carver developed these things. Okay? But this is what he told the Senate that day. This is what he told them. And this is really where he starts getting profound. George Washington Carver told the Senators, God told me about this stuff. This is where I came up with these ideals, with these, with these concepts. I, God told them to me. Okay, uh, it says, and I've done a lot of research on this man. It says the cornerstone of George Washington Carver's faith was that he, his faith, that he found God as being very intriguing. In other words, he was intrigued by God and by what God had created, and he he went after God because he was intrigued by God. So I feel that was one attribute that he has that we lack in the church that we are not intrigued by God like George Washington Carver was. Let me read this prayer that George Washington Carver prayed when he began to get these, all this information about the peanut. 
He said, I went into, into my laboratory and said, Dear Mr. Creator, please tell me what the universe was made for. The Creator answered, You want to know too much for that little mind of yours. Ask for something more your size. Isn't that cool? Then I asked, Dear Mr. Creator, tell me what man was made for. Again, the great Creator replied, Little man, you are still asking too much. Cut down the extent of your request and improve the intent. So then I asked, Please, Mr. Creator, will you tell me why the peanut was made? So it went from the universe to man. Now he's down to the peanut. And this is the Lord's response. That's better, but even then it's infinite. What do you want to know about the peanut? Mr. Creator, can I make milk out of the peanut? What kind of milk do you want? Good Jersey milk or just plain boarding house milk? People who understand milk know the difference. Good Jersey milk. And then the great Creator taught me how to take the peanut apart and put it back together again. And out of, out of that process came forth all these products. Out of a prayer that he prayed to God, God taught him about a teen peanut, and he was able to develop 325 different products. And he said, God showed this to me through this prayer. Okay? Here's one commentary's guy on this. He said, Clearly God was training Carver to dig deeper, to find the right question to ask. Okay? This is because when a question gets hold of us, it has a way of stimulating our spiritual and intellectual hunger. Also, this intense question has a way of creating a dependency inside of us. It makes us aware of the fact that we do not know everything. This is what drove Carver to find God in the first place. It's these questions. There's a man named Jim Hardwick who was a scientist himself, and he talked about one of Carver's lectures, and this is what he said. One day he came to the town where I lived and gave an address of his discoveries of the peanut. I went to the lecture expecting to learn about science and came away knowing more about prayer than I had ever learned in the theological schools. That's what a man said. It's a, it's a powerful testimony. And I believe that George Washington Carver, really, he was like a prophetic sign to us of what God really created Christians to be like. He really, he really did. You see, because God has placed something in all of us. With George Washington Carver, it was it was the what he called the mineral kingdom and the plant kingdom and the animal kingdom. He placed a desire in him to know these things. This man listen, you know how what he did about the crop rotation? Think about it for a minute. This is how profound this guy was. He rode through the South from the very people who enslaved him and his family, and he saw that they were starving to death because their cotton was wearing the soil, the, the, the soil out. And they were barely selling enough cotton to live on. And he looked at it and realized, there's something, there's an answer to this. I'm going to find out what the answer is. And that's how he developed crop rotating. You know, you plant a different crop here in this field this year, and it will actually put the minerals back in the soil that you need. And he found that out through talking to God. Because God put something in him, a desire in him. Because God created the soil and God created the peanut. And most Christians, we don't have that. We're not intrigued by God. We don't have this fascination in us about whatever it is. It doesn't have to be about nature. It can be about spiritual things or natural things. Are y'all with me? 
Here's what happens to a lot of people. This is what I believe will happen to a lot of people. You see, we line up with God because of this, because we know God really is the ultimate ticket. Really, He's like the really ultimate only game in town. And apart from God, we're, you know, we can't really, we're not going to give, get to heaven. We're not going to get where we need. So we line up with Him and we become almost clone-like. We quit thinking. We quit hungering. We quit seeking. We keep, quit desiring. We're lined up with God because God's the biggest, baddest guy around. And we know we've got to be. But we've traded something. We've traded something in all of this. We've given up something in all of this. God's put something in us. He's put this thing in us that wants to be curious, that wants to search, that wants to ask questions and find out things. And that was why George Washington Carver was such a brilliant person. It's because he went on that thing. He did not line up with the way the rest of the world was. He didn't line up with the way the rest of the scientific community was. He went with this thing that was in him. Um, put up that Luke seventeen twenty one. I think I put that up there. Uh, this is what Jesus is saying about the kingdom of God. He was saying, uh, um, you know, they were saying in verse, I didn't put seventeen twenty up there. I apologize for that. But uh, when it says, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom does not, of God does not come with observation. In other words, he was saying, you, you guys are looking for something in the wrong places. You're looking for something in the wrong places. That's what he was saying to them. You're looking around, looking at other people, trying to get your cues from them, hoping you can find something. He said, he goes on and says, the kingdom of, he said, nor will they say, see here or see there, for the kingdom of God is within you. It's inside of you. God's put something inside of us. And we're looking around, if this person acts this way, we think that's right. That's the way Christians should act. So we do that. And we become like a bunch of clones. And we forget there's something of eternity inside of us crying out, trying to be released. And George Washington Carver was a guy who discovered that. And discovered it was a peanut. A peanut. He found God in that peanut. That's why they call him the man who saw God in everything. You know, we really need to ask the Lord, you know, what's your peanut? All right, first, first Corinthians 2, 9 through 10. It is a good question. What's your peanut? It says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has pre- prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So there's something in you. That's what that's saying. And God has given us the Holy Spirit... It's trying to be quickened in you this morning to go after that thing inside of you. Now, that's the truth. He's put that thing in. Then it says, listen, I want you to look at verse 15 and 16 in 1 Corinthians 2, but I want to look at it from the Amplified Bible, which is really good. It says, but the spiritual man... Now, you need to ask yourself this morning. George Washington Carver was truly a spiritual man because he did this. But the spiritual man tries all things. He examines investigates, inquires into, questions, and discerns all things. That's a spiritual man. He's got questions. He wants to find out something. He's not going to accept what everybody else says. He's not going to accept the status quo of life. 
He's not going to accept that you plant cotton in the same field year after year after year. And it's destroying the soil. People are starving from it. He's not going to accept that. There's something in him that's driving him, that's motivating him. Because he's a spiritual man. He's connected into the inside. He begins to investigate. He begins to inquire. He begins to question. He begins to discern. Then it goes on in verse 16. It says, For who has known or understood the mind, the counsel and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct Him and give Him knowledge? That's the question. But we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of His heart. We That's what it's saying. It says we hold those things in us. God's put them in us. God's put those things in us. For George Washington Carver, it was sweet potatoes and peanuts. For you, whatever it is, it's probably not going to be sweet potatoes. You know, it might be Irish potatoes. (laughs) This is something George Washington Carver said that I thought was pretty profound. George said the secret of his incredible, inventive genius came from love. That's what he said. came from love. When I touch a flower, I'm not merely touching that flower. I'm touching infinity. He also said, you have to love it enough. Anything will give up its secrets if you love it enough. Now, I'll tell you, that's the truth. Becky knows all my secrets. You know? Not only have I found that when I talk to the little... Because they said this man talks to flowers. He talks to plants. And he did. But he was really talking to what he said in Fenty. He was really talking to God. Okay? And those little flowers, those little plants gave up their secrets. I think it's profound. I think this is profound myself. You may not think it's profound this morning, but it is profound. God's called you to be like George Washington Carver. He, not only have I found that when I talk to the little flower or to the peanut, they will give up their secrets, but I have found that when I silently commune with people, they give up their secrets also if you love them enough. So he really had to understand the people also. That if you love people enough, they'll open their hearts to you. They'll reveal what's in their hearts. But you've got to love them. They ain't going to love you if they feel like you're going to club them. And I think, you, you know, really, you know, I believe what the Lord wants to do is help people get connected with that kind of Christianity? It's, what's the right question? Honestly, what is the right question? You, I don't know if you'll get it the first time. It may take you a few rounds to really get to the real deep questions that God wants you to ask Him. Okay? Because some of us, we, we stop on the surface. In fact, we question like critics instead of like lovers. You understand what I'm saying? There's a big difference. See, I, I can go to Jim Hill or to Tommy McCarthy or Doug Martin and question what they're doing like a critic in their life. And I can come with the same exact question but question with love and it's a whole different thing. A whole different thing. And I think some of us, we have a lot of questions in our heart. You know, but and those are questions came from God. He, he wants you to start asking Him questions. Because God is in you asking the question. Remember how He asked the question. Because God does not want us just to be normal. 
That's not God. George Washington Carver was not a normal person. He wants us to be abnormal, supernormal. That's what he wants. And however that means, whatever the, how that works out in your life on a personal level. But that's the kind of Christianity that God is calling us to. Is that kind of Christianity. Because that's the Christianity of the Bible. The Christianity of the Bible is not accepting things as they are. And just going through the motions of life. And this is a and I'm gonna be honest with you, this is a challenging message to live. It's challenging. Because it, it's gonna if you really go after it, you're gonna find out how shallow we've become in our lives. That we're a lot more shallow than we wanted to be, thought we were. So that's really kind of the long and short of it. But I just wanna ask the Lord to I just wanna pray for you and ask the Lord to speak to your heart this morning. Father, I just pray to you, Lord, we just thank you for people like George Washington Carver who you really gave to our nation as a gift, both on a natural level to develop products. And, Lord, also he was a gift to the body of Christ to really show us how to do it. And I'm asking you, Lord, that somehow, Lord, somehow, help us. Lord, for people in this room this morning that really are not connecting with this, pray you'd help them connect. And for those who are connecting, but just need need your Holy Spirit to really begin to reveal things to them, I just ask you to do that. Just ask you, Lord. Just ask you to do that, Father, in Jesus' name. Pray for every person in this room today, Lord. Lord, we could ask you that question. What's my peanut, Lord? What's my peanut? Really, Lord? What, it, what is it really, Lord? I mean, I thought it was one thing. Maybe you've got something else to say about it. I just ask you for that, that we would all find whatever it is in life that you've created us for, to search out, to inquire of, to discover that that would mark our lives, Lord Jesus. And I thank you for that, Lord, today. I thank you that you have a heart to help us do that. You've given us the Holy Spirit to stir up those questions in us and stir up that feeling in us, that dissatisfaction, and to know that there's more. And Lord, I just pray, even as, as George Washington Carver clearly said, that if you love something enough, it'll give up its secrets. Father, I pray you give us more love for Jesus that we can get more of his secrets. I'm asking you to do that today in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to you know, dismiss you guys and we want to pray for the sick this morning though and for those of you who have needs, we want to ask the ministry team to come up now and if you have any needs, financial needs this morning or if you're sick or you have a family member that's sick, we want to pray for you and ask the Lord to touch you. Um, so if the... You know, if you these folks that are standing here facing you, if you go to one of those people, they'll pray for you and pray with you about your situation in life. And